The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry with Joe McGill. morning, good morning, how are you this morning? I'm Joe McGill and you're listening to the Saturday Supplement and I hope I find you well wherever you are listening to us around the world on RadioCarry.ie, the Radio Kerry app or on the traditional wireless 96 to 98 FM. What a beautiful morning it was driving in here this morning. It's that bit darker as well so you wake up in the dark and then you see that beautiful dawn and the red sky this morning was so impressive. Before I forget about it, and I forgot about it last Saturday. And Earl, I'm very sorry. Earl was a participant in one of our very special Kerry social farming programs. And it was his birthday, Thursday. And he asked me, he met me where he works in Fitzpatrick's Market House. And he asked me to wish him a very happy birthday. So happy birthday, Earl. And he said to say hello to all the staff. So hello to all the staff there. Now, I said I'd do that before I'd forget about it. If you want to get in touch with the program, 066 712 You can text the WhatsApp 083 300 now, this morning, you would have heard Alanis say this earlier on the Saturday Supplement. We have a very special programme presented by transitioner students from around the county in association with Learning Waves and Commission the Man, previously the Broadcast Authority of Ireland. All this week, we ran a radio course in Radio Kerry with these students, and today's programme is produced by them. So, we'll be asking what effect artificial intelligence or AI will have on our future who is Kerry's most famous person? What are the dangers of misinformation? And what is life like for other young people across Europe? And much, much more. So to discuss our first few topics, and we're going to talk about, I suppose, what exactly is transition because we want to set the scene. But in studio, we have Aoife, we have Thomas, and we have Abby, and we have Melissa, and we have Matthew. And we're also going to be hearing from Emer. Um, a little later. But firstly, let's, you're all very welcome. How are you this morning? Good. Good. We're pretty, uh, we're doing pretty well. <laughs> How are the nerves? Good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll Far be fine. more surprising than I expected myself to be. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, I expected myself to be shaking or something. <laughs> yeah, you're fine out. We're just having a chat here. And uh, I hope you'll enjoy the next uh, two hours. You've done great work all week. So, Well, thank you. This will be the, the, the fruits of your labour. <laughs> Hello, Mom, as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, firstly, Aoife uh, O'Keefe, tell us, what is Transitioner? Well, Joe, Transition Year, also called TY, is a one-year programme between Junior Cycle and Senior Cycle. It is designed to act as a bridge between the two by helping the transition from Junior Cycle to Senior Cycle easier. However, depending on the school population and funding, it may not be available, and in other schools it is compulsory. For the most part, the year is designed around giving students life skills by incorporating a work experience programme. There are also many trips available to the students, foreign and local, aimed at giving a more hands-on aspect to learning. Transition Year was introduced as a pilot project in September 1974, but it was not until September 1994 that the programme was introduced mainstream. Transition Year is not examined, but rather is assessed, and is intended to be a broad educational experience. 
The year focuses on many non-academic subjects such as life skills including first aid, cooking, self-defence, driving and computer classes. A lot of sports goes on with many different types including rock climbing, hill walking, horse riding, swimming and orienteering. Voluntary work is a requirement in many schools with students helping out in local communities and charities. There are many programmes aimed at TY students such as Student Enterprise and Young Social Innovators, YSI. Students in TY are also encouraged to take part in various competitions and programmes outside of the school. These include BT Young Scientist, GOSHTA, the President's Award and Junk Chore. Many schools use TY as an opportunity to give their students different experiences by organising foreign exchanges and putting on musicals. Transition Year was set up to help students develop new skills and consider what path they would like to go in the future by having them out in the working world. The year offers students an opportunity to engage in independent, self-directed learning, develop general, technical and academic skills, develop work-related skills, mature and develop without the pressure of an examination. Overall, I believe TY is worth doing as you get opportunities that are once in a lifetime. You also make new friends and you try new things. Yeah, excellent report there, Aoife, and it kind of gives us a good kind of, I suppose, context to the whole programme and also what you'll be looking forward to for the rest of the year. Is there anything that you're looking forward to or that you hope to get out of transition year? Um, I suppose just like doing new work experiences like this, like this Mm. is an opportunity once in a lifetime and it's been really good. You know. Yeah, excellent, yeah. And you're only kind of starting it now, really. So, yeah, it's a great uh, kind of start to it. Uh, Thomas, um, what are you expecting to uh, get out of uh, transition? Firstly, what school are you in, Thomas? Uh, good morning. I am a student in St. Pat's in Castle Island. Okay. Um, I've done transition year to experience lots of different things, as Aoife said. Mm-hmm. Um, because traditionally, like, people would go straight through and they might not get different experiences, like maybe a foreign trip with your class to help bond. Yeah, like as a full unit. Yeah, excellent. Um, I remember the trips we went on. One was to Dingle, to Ballantaggart House for three days. The other was to Ballinskelligs, which was only about five or six miles out the road. But we, we had a great time for the few days we went. Abby Slattery, what are you? What are you expecting? You're hoping to get out of for um, transitioner? Well, I'm a student at Welclough Shakiri, mm-hmm. and uh, we've recently moved into a new school building. Uh, so, as you can imagine, Joe, the facilities are just unbelievable in the new school. And so far, I've already had the opportunity to try home ec. And we've had a health and fitness related course going in the new gym. Um, so, I'm going to be taking part in an introduction course to beauty therapy in the school as well. And hopefully, junk couture later in the year. What's the, the last thing you said there? Junk couture. Uh, What's that? Uh, Junk Couture is kind of like a fashion show, so you create um, an outfit out of recycled materials. Okay. Oh, yes, I get you now. Junk Couture, okay, yeah, I'm with you. Um, didn't they do something like that in Zoolander? I see in a fashion show that uh, they were dressed up in, in, in uh, recycled rubbish, so it's, it's art imitating uh, life or life imitating art. Um, the new facilities, you're right, they're the talk of the county, aren't they? So you must be very excited about that. Yeah, we're very lucky, yeah. Um, Melissa, mm-hmm. um, what school are you in? And tell us what you're looking forward to in TY. Um, I go to the ISK. It's the intermediate school, Clorton. There's two schools in Clorton. One, one's the tech, one's the ISK. The ISK is the one with the grey, with the grey uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really looking forward to doing the junkature because, like, I really, I really like fashion and fashion design. So I'm hoping that when I do it, I'll be able to learn more about, you know, the general process that goes into making all these pieces and stuff. You know. Mm. 
Yeah, excellent. Um, Matthew, um, there's one particular thing you're really looking forward to in, in transition year. Oh, yeah. Um, hi, I am Matthew Ryan. Mm-hmm. I am from Causeway Comprehensive School. It's mm-hmm. a really good school. I, I am joined transition year because, like, I was, thanks to COVID and the fact that we couldn't really deal with secondary school at the time, I had not gone to school for nearly four years. Mm. <laughs> so, like, transition year seemed like the easiest way to ease back into it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I'd want to realize I wanted to make movies when I grow up. Mm. So, imagine my absolute excitement when I realized that the school was doing a film module where we're going to make short films. Yeah. It was like my dream come true. I could not believe it. Yeah. So, that's a brilliant opportunity, isn't it? I know. Yeah. And uh, so you'd hope to carve out a career, maybe, in, in film? Yes, yeah. and TV shows, but that's a whole other thing. So. Yeah, excellent. Just watch the, the, the microphone there. Oh, I, I, can hear, I can hear it somewhere. Um, uh, Emer Cotter, um, you're going to tell us now about uh, a Vox Pop you did, and we found out during the week that Vox Pops are, I suppose the Latin word is voice of the population, where we go out and we find out people's um, opinions. And all through this programme, we are going to hear about um, the people's opinion out there because the students went out onto the street. And this was part of their research and reporting, which they did a fantastic job on. So, Emer, what's the first Vox Pop you did? So, Joe, there's been a lot of talk in the media recently about public etiquette and manners. So, we went out onto the streets of Kerry to ask, do people... Do you think people's manners have gotten worse or better over the past few years? Do you believe that people's manners have gotten better or worse over the last few years? I think they've gotten worse over the last couple of years. Why do you think that? Um, I think people are more rude and ignorant in general. Um, I think they've just changed in general. I think now that there's been kind of less enforcement on manners over the, few, over the years anyway. Why, why do you think that? Uh, just... Um, I don't know, I'd say I don't think parents are enforcing them as much anymore in a younger lads. Yeah, very interesting um, kind of opinions on that. Have you an opinion on that at home? And this is what the students want to um, to find out is your opinion all during this programme. So get in touch with us, 66 712 You can text the WhatsApp 083-300-3300. Do you think manners are worse or are they better nowadays? Are people more respectful or are they not? What's public etiquette like? Um, you know, queuing uh, in, in shops, people skipping the queue, that's one thing that drives me light when I see someone skip um, the queue and just manners in general. Have they gotten better or worse? And our students will be keeping an eye on this as the programme goes on and they will be bringing me um, the findings. So like I said, let us know 066 You can text WhatsApp 083 We're going to go to a break and we've lots more to come after these. The Saturday Supplement with Joe McGill on Radio Kerry. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. That's what you're listening to, and if you want to get in touch with the programme, 66 712 you can text the WhatsApp 083 Have manners got worse or better over the last few years? Let us know. We have a very special programme for you, presented by Transition, your students from around the county in association with Learning Waves, and come soon, the man. And um, now in studio, I'm delighted to say we're joined by Milena Baran and Marzinska um, Emilia Marzinska I should say and uh, I was saying to the girls I'll try and get your names right and I think I kind of messed it up there but it was close enough was it? 
Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Um, no, you conducted a very important interview during the week with a very important man about something that is very topical at the moment, Milena. So, Minister for Education Norma Foley has shelved plans to introduce teacher-based assessment as part of a revised senior cycle program, highlighting the advent of artificial intelligence technology for the change of plan. With more and more talk about AI and how it will impact all our futures, we decided to interview Mark Little about artificial intelligence and its impact on our future. Mark is the founder of social news agency Storyful and he led Twitter's media team in Europe. He is also a former TV news anchor and foreign correspondent. Hi Mark, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, great to be with you. So my first question is, what is AI and how is it currently being used in Ireland in everyday life? So artificial intelligence has actually been around for a long time and most people don't really understand that because every time you go on to let's say TikTok or Instagram or Spotify or any of these services that are giving you you know connections with your friends or music or video there's actually artificial intelligence working away to try and understand just what you want what you're feeling about you know music or your connection with your friends so artificial intelligence is a way for machines to learn about human behavior and try to predict the next thing that's coming. So we all know, for example, if you see spell check in a computer, the computer's trying to work out what's the next word you're gonna type. And that's really a good way of understanding artificial intelligence. It's just the machine trying to understand what are the things that makes you feel and your emotions and your connection to the world. So that's what artificial intelligence is, just basically a way for the machinery to try and work out how human beings work. Are there any educational programs or initiatives focused on teaching AI and its applications in Irish schools? So right now, it hasn't really been integrated into the curriculum uh, in Irish education, as I understand it. But there's a lot of work being done internationally to try and understand, I think, two very important potential applications of artificial intelligence, particularly the type that we have now in the classroom. So the first would be for a teacher. So right now, you know, you walk into a schoolroom and the teacher stands up at the top of the schoolroom, the classroom, and there's maybe, you know, whatever, 30, 40 people in that room, and there's a standard curriculum being taught. Everybody's taught the same English and the same maths. But actually, what AI might be able to do is help that teacher understand why maybe one, two people in that classroom are having a difficulty learning what other people in the classroom find very easy. And so there is a potential, I think, then for teachers and for the education system to work out people who might have learning difficulties but be really smart and are just having a problem with one aspect. If they could find a way to have that maths class taught a little bit differently. And so I think artificial intelligence will be used increasingly to find out ways to give students um, a kind of a curriculum that fits their needs, their particular talents. I think too many people in the education system are falling by the wayside because, you know, the system doesn't understand their particular needs. The second way, and I think you know, every teacher will tell you right now, they're scared of kids in the classroom trying to, you know, use AI to just basically make up essays. But actually, if you think about it, if the AI can help a student get to grips with a large amount of information in a way that helps them understand what's going on in that essay or that poem, 
then there's a real potential, I think, for, for people who are growing up to feel empowered that they could be the next artist and poet and writer <laughs> that might become the person that changes people's lives. So one of my favorite poets is Paddy Kavna, who any Leave and Search student will be aware of, right? And he writes great poems about stony grey soil. I don't, I've never lived in Monaghan, but I, I feel whenever he writes, he's writing in a way that connects with me. So I'd love to find a way using AI to understand what is the thing about Paddy Kavna's poetry that really connects with me. Could I write my own poem in the style of Patrick Kavanagh? So I do think that AI can obviously be used to create false um, information. It can be used for people who just want to copy the essay, not do the work. But I think increasingly it'll start to be used the same way that calculators were used maybe 20, 30 years ago for the first time to help connect people, young people particularly, to the great creativity of the human race and make them feel it's not just about learning the poem, but it's understanding why it connects with you. So, you know, I think I'm a bit of an optimist, as you can hear. There's plenty of downsides we can talk about, but they're the two kind of broad ways that I think AI can help in the education system. It's not there yet. We don't have practical applications, but I think they're the areas I think it'll become very important in the education system in the years to come. So, what are the other potential benefits and challenges of AI adoption in Ireland? So, I think one of the biggest issues is what always happens with technology, right? So, you have, let's say, a revolutionary new technology. Let's say computers came out in the, the 60s, and they developed the first major uh, computer systems that could you know, have an impact. But it took maybe another 20, 30 years for those computer systems to be in our lives in everyday life, uh, in laptops and now mobile phones. So what tends to happen with big technologies is that they you know, get applied by like industry or science or academics, but they don't, it takes a long time for them to be actually having an impact on our daily lives. I think with AI, that's the problem, right? We have ChatGPT, we've got a whole new set of these chatbots that are coming out from all the different big tech companies. But no one, I don't think yet, has found a way to make us all feel the same way we do about the calculator or our phones. We just haven't yet made the connection between real world impact for ordinary people and this, you know, what seems like science fiction or magic. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge is finding ways that ordinary people can harness what is a truly revolutionary technology. Now, the good news is that this this gap between when the technology is invented and when it affects our lives is actually starting to shorten. And I think over the next couple of years, we're going to see a change, for example, in the way we search for information. So most of us growing up uh, in this age have learned how to Google information. Well, actually, we'll see the AI will start to become a kind of a, a friend who helps you do more than just search but actually pull together information in a way that you can consume it. Like I think of a good example, someone's gonna do this very soon. You know, you're shopping for your, your groceries every week and you've got an AI that helps you work out where the best place to buy the fruit is. The cheapest place puts together recipes and menus um, and helps all those families in the world who, you know, are working really hard every day and don't know what to eat every night and watch on the TV. So I don't think it'll have those kinds of impacts very soon. but. You know, that's the first major challenge is how do you translate revolutionary technology into something that you and me can actually use every day and feel like it's just another part of our life 
Um, so that's really the biggest challenge at the moment, aside from some of the potential dangers, and there's many of those. And are there any local events or just events in general or workshops related to AI that teenagers can attend to gain more insights? Do you know, the best way always, I think, with these technologies is to try use it yourself, you know, to go and use ChatGPT and try to work out ways. For example, let's, um, you know, go out and search for maybe information using these AI chatbots um, on a study, uh, sorry, a subject that you're really interested in. So it could be science, it could be physics, it could be biology, it could be just basic math or something like that. And to try and just ask questions. Because one of the things about AI is not just about putting a number of words in a in the Google, right? It's, it's actually about asking questions. Um, so I think the other thing I would urge people to do is go out and use these amazing new tools that help you uh, create images and movies and draw things and you know using uh, your questions to say you know I want to take a picture of something in my mind and I want to see if the computer the AI can create something that looks just like that image I have in my mind I play around with that so DALI is one example or Mid Journey there's a lot of different chatbots now and uh, AI powered image generators go play with them you know and I don't think there exists right now um, a really accessible way for younger people to, you know, have the kind of idiot's guide to AI. And I think that's a shame. Too much of the conversation right now is being had by adults <laughs> who, to be quite honest, are having a much harder time getting their head around technology um, than people who were born into this age. I mean, I'm old enough to remember um, when we used to use telephones that were connected <laughs> to the wall <laughs> and we didn't have any computers. So, Sometimes old people like me uh, takes us a lot more time to get used to technology than younger people who just put it into practice. But the final thing I would say is be aware that AI is all around you like a cloud. Every time you go in to your, you know, your Snap or your whatever favorite app is, it's, it's there in the background. You are actually using it more hours every day than you think. So just become conscious. That's what I would say is my second point. Play with the tools, but be conscious as well that this is not a human. This is a machine trying to mimic human beings. And the last thing I would say is be very conscious as well that it is not designed to give you the truth. It's not designed to give you the best information all the time. It has what they call hallucinations because these AI are trained um, in a very, very unsophisticated way right now. And so if you were asking for medical information, if you were seeking help, let's say a mental health problem, I wouldn't rely on AI to give you the best answer because at this stage, there's way too much misinformation, disinformation that is coming into these chatbots. And right now, no one knows how to fix that. And that's the greatest danger, I would argue, right now, but AI. But we're in the early days. Um, just imagine AI is like a toddler. <laughs> it hasn't learned to walk yet properly. But imagine the potential once it does. Um, and that's why I'm an optimist and a pessimist at exactly the same time when it comes to AI. And I urge everybody to kind of take that, you know, um, that sort of double, double way of looking at it. So thanks for taking the time to join us and answering our questions. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, listen, good luck as you explore the, <laughs> the ups and downs of AI. But it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Yeah, fascinating interview there with Mark Little by um, Milena and Amelia. And um, 
Uh, Mark actually said after he was very complimentary towards uh, the two students about that they'd have a future in journalism if they wanted and uh, he was very generous actually after as well with advice um, so I want to thank Mark Little uh, for that good morning Joe I'm smiling to myself when I hear the word AI it is a different meaning in the farming community our youngsters today are great that comes in from Catherine O'Hearn in Ballylongford thanks a million for that Catherine yeah we, <laughs> we had that discussion during the week as well about that we'd want to make sure people know that we're talking about artificial intelligence and not the other um, AI um, Milena and uh, Amelia Milena what school are you, are you from? A presentation trolley and how did you find uh, doing the interview now and, and I suppose the, the work in general during the week? Um, I thought uh, I'm going to be more nervous but it was actually really nice and yeah. calm so that was nice yeah, well done there. That was a big uh, coup to get that um, interview. Amelia, how did you find it? And what school are you in? A presentation truly. Mm. Uh, I thought, I, I was really nervous at first. I thought it would be like, I don't know, I was terrifying, but it ended up being like fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well done. You did a great job. And uh, it's given people a great insight into um, artificial intelligence because it's so topical at the moment. And I think we've got a good ground in it there. So thanks a million for that. Now stay with us because we have lots more to come from our transition year students after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. 066-712-3666. You can text the WhatsApp 083-300-3300. We're asking you... Have manners got worse or better over the last few years? Are people's manners in general out in the public? Are they better or are they worse? Let us know. Um, all this week, transition year students from around the county in association with Learning Waves and Commission Naman were in with us in Radio Kerry, learning all aspects of radio. And today's programme is produced by them. And I mentioned as well during the week that the students went out and they interviewed you out in the streets of Kerry to find out your opinions on a different topics and Sive Cotter joins us now. Sive, what school are you in? I'm in Mercy Mount Hawk. Mercy Mount Hawk. How are you finding things so far? Doing yeah, yeah, very for, good. Very good. So what did you ask? I asked who would you who's the most person who's the fam- most famous person in Kerry? Okay, so you can introduce it there for us. During the week it was asked on Kerry Day who would you put on Kerry Mount Rushmore? And it got us debating class who would we think who we think the most famous cur- person in Kerry is. So we went on the streets of Kerry to find out. Colin Hilty. Who would you say is the most famous person from Kerry? Michael Fassbender. David Clifford. So who do you think is the most famous person of all time from Kerry? Sure, I haven't a clue. <laughs> I haven't a clue. Who was the footballer? I would say David Clifford. Well, I suppose it's going back to the 50s. I think my famous person in Kerry would be the great footballer, Michael Conn from Village Island. And why is that? Because he was absolutely a fabulous Kerry footballer and a gentleman to the ground. A lovely person. He's from Village Island. Uh, Ty Fleming. Why is that? Uh, he's always on my For You page. <laughs> I think the most important man in, in Kerry is Jack O'Shea. I was a fan of his when he was playing football. I liked the, the bomber listed when he was playing. I have to say, Mick O'Dwyer. Do we get, do we get paid for this? Yeah. <laughs> do we get paid for this? Um, so if there's a lot of uh, footballers in that uh, box poppers. There, it seems to be, I suppose, if you're in Kerry, who do, who, who's your... Who I do think you, David Clifford. I'm not a footballer. <laughs> David Clifford, yeah. Um, you, of course, you have a good footballing family as well, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. We, like, all our family is very into football. Yeah, yeah. Is William, William? Yeah. Yeah, William Kirby. Yeah. 
Yeah. Kerry. He, what relation is he to you? He's my uncle. He's your uncle. Oh, yeah, sure. He played a great midfielder and so many more, yeah, as well. Jesus, we go down this route now. There, there's someone to get mad in the family that we haven't mentioned them. Yeah, but it is it is a thing in this county and it's, uh, it's above football a lot. But then we have, I suppose, in the arts world, Michael Fassbender, they mentioned um, Jesse Buckley, all these people that are kind of making a name for themselves as well. Um, Milena, who, who do you, who's your most famous? Um... I don't know, maybe Norma Foley? Norma Foley, yeah, it's a good call at the moment, very topical, I suppose. She'd be well known, kind of across sport and everything else, because some people, you know, wouldn't, mightn't follow football, so they mightn't, um, talk, uh, they mightn't know who um, David Clifford is, although I think he's transcending um, sport. Amelia? I'd say Tom Crean. Tom Crean, yeah. yeah. And we never said that, living or dead, yeah. So you've Tom Crean is a, is a great shout. A lot known about him. Not much known about him at the time, but loads known about him, though. And Abby? Uh, I'd have to agree with David Clifford. David Clifford. Very good. Um, a lot of female role models in football now, though, as well. Chief Roche, um, um, Louise Nimori-Horte, Anna Galvin. Um, we've a lot of um, female role models as well now um, and, and famous as well. Daniel O'Connell, I suppose, is, has to be up there um, as well. Um, so that's we're asking you as well the same question at home who do you think Kerry's most famous person is 0667123666 you can text whatsapp 0833033300 um so now we have Milena, Abby and Amelia are back into us again and they're going to tell us I suppose about how life compares for young people across Europe and we've broken into um, different kind of topics so I'll start with you Abby uh, Slattery and you um, decided to research on work and pay and how it varies. Uh, yeah, so I started off by looking at what hours we're entitled to as young people. So uh, young workers are people aged 14 to 18 who work for an employer. And as young workers are generally in full-time education, they're protected by different employment laws than adults. So this is to ensure that our work does not put um, our health or education at risk. Um, by law, children aged 14 and 15 cannot be employed in regular full-time jobs. But during school holidays, children aged 14 and 15 can work a maximum of 35 hours a week. Um, during school term time, children aged 14 are not permitted to work and 15-year-olds are restricted to only 8 hours of light work per week. Um, then as you go on to 16 and 17, you're permitted to work a maximum of 8 hours a day, up to 40 hours a week. So this seemed to be the standard across Europe. Um, for example, in France, 14 to 16 year olds can do light work and 16 year olds are permitted to work once they have a rest time of at least half the school holidays. So I found that very interesting that we seem to have kind of the same working hours as most countries in Europe. Mm. And the pay then is always kind of around the minimum kind of... Yeah, illness, and... Yeah. Pay um, in Ireland since the 1st of January um, this year, the national minimum wage has been 11.30 per hour. But um, what I didn't expect to see is that um, under 18-year-olds are only guaranteed up to 70% of the national minimum wage, which would be 7.91 per hour. Um, so over the week, um, one of the other TYs who I was working with got in touch with a German friend of theirs who said that um, most people in Germany do get a part-time job at 15 or 16. And they said that if you choose to work in companies, you can actually get very good payment from a young age. Um, the current current minimum wage there is 
um, 12 euro per hour and 9.50 for 16 euros. So that was quite a substantial difference between, as I said earlier, the 7.91 in Ireland. Yeah, excellent. Great insight into to, to it all there. And I think, Milena, that was your friend, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, great research done. Um, um, Amelia, um, tell us about, I suppose, how it compares with the voting age and, and, and in an education kind of um, um, the sphere then. Well, in majority of the countries, 18 and over is the normal. But um, in Germany, just this year in May, they the German government suggested to lower the age to 16. Um, and I think the craziest part is that the German the Germany's Child Protection Association has also suggested to lower the age to 14. But this idea was shut down very quickly. And in Italy, it was changed from 25 to 18 in 2021. And uh, most people around like the age of 16 don't actually want the, the voting age to be lowered. It's the older people that do. Mm. What's your own opinion on the voting age? I, I think it should stay as it is. Like, I, I wouldn't, I'd be voting this year. Like, I don't want that. Yeah. Um, and education then, how does it compare across? Well, in most countries, school is only comp- compulsory from the age of six, but in Spain, it's mandatory to start preschool and daycare, whilst in other countries, it's optional. It's not, yeah, optional, yeah. Um, and each country has their own version of the Leaving Cert that they take at the end of secondary school, but most don't have a Junior Cert. It's just Ireland that has the Junior Cert. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a fascinating insight into the way it compares and contrasts across um, the board. And then Amelia, or sorry, Milena, the legal age uh, for drinking and driving, then you did some research on that. Yeah, so um, as we know, to buy alcohol in Ireland, you have to be 18 or over. And it's very similar in other countries, such as Spain and Italy and France. Although in Spain, um, there's no like minimum legal age to like consume alcohol at home so it's said that it's so like up to parents to decide whether they think their child should be allowed to drink or really? not really whoa and i think it's it's the same in italy there's no legal minimum age for drinking alcohol at home mm. so it's just public places but in germany um you can buy and drink beverages such as beer and wine at 16 mm. it's both in public places and at home and but to buy like beverages size spirits you have to be 18 mm-hmm. and there has been talks about raising the drinking age in germany to 18 after a 16 year old boy died after having consumed 45 shots of tequila in a bar oh in early 2007 but um german politicians spoke against that notion pointing out that such use was already forbidden According to according to current laws, which simply needed to be enforced. Yeah, um, when it comes to the driving age, then what's what are the the differences across Europe? Um, there isn't much. Like most, you in most countries, you can drive a motorcycle at sixteen and a car at eighteen. Mm. Um, the tests and examinations are also very similar. The two stage two stage tests, the theory tests, and the practical. Um, the um, amount of hours you have to like of driving lessons you have to get uh, vary like in France you have to have minimum of 20 hours of driving lessons but in in Italy you have to have six so that's 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 a big difference yeah Yeah. it is quite a big difference Mm. so yeah and uh, transition year you're kind of doing something in driving as well but I think someone was telling me during the week is that true Abby? Uh, 
yeah, yeah. Well, some schools um, do offer kind of driving lessons. Yeah. Whoa, so that's it's amazing how, how far it's come. That has been a brilliant insight. Uh, well done into, I suppose, the differences across Europe and to what it's like here and uh, what it is like in other countries in relation to all these topics that affect uh, young people. So, well done. Let's have learning a load here. Uh, we'll go to a break and we'll have more with our transition year students after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Get in touch with us, 0667123366. You can text the WhatsApp, 0833033300. All this week in Radio Kerry, we've had students from around the county from TY, our transition year. And this is an association with Learning Waves and Commission Naman. And they were learning all aspects of radio. And today's programme is produced entirely by them. And I'm delighted to say now we're joined again in studio by Matthew Ryan and Melissa scales and um, ye did an important interview uh, during the week um, Melissa. Yeah we did, it was pretty good mm-hmm. um, we talked to Dr Eileen Colletti from DCU and Matthew will give the first part of the introduction. Yeah, yeah so Matthew away you go there, tell hello. us So oh, Hello, so Eileen Colletti is an assistant professor in the School of Communications and the deputy director of the Institute for Media democracy and society. Her research examines disinformation, digital governments and media. Her book, co-authored with Jane Souter, Disinformation and Manipulation in Digital Media, published 2021, is published by Routledge. Matthew and I caught up with Dr. Cullity during the week to find out the importance of media literacy and the dangers of fake news. Dr. Cullity, thank you for coming on. How are you doing? Very well. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so we've got a few questions we'd like to ask you. So, first off, it's probably the one that a lot of people do want to know because, well, it is pretty important and just to provide some insight into what we're talking about today, what exactly is media literacy and why is it important for us? Well, media literacy is about having the knowledge and skills to be able to interact and understand and create media. And people have been thinking about media literacy for many decades now, but in the last few years or in the last 10 years, the media world has changed so much and there's now just so many different kinds of media that we're surrounded by all the time so it's become even more important. Okay so with regards to like media literacy like being able to tell stuff apart from fake news how much impact do you think that fake information false news that sort of thing has had on media in the past few years? Well it's a huge problem and it's a global problem so it's not just uh, here in Ireland and it has a big impact on human rights and on democratic values. We've seen some of this in the news uh, recently where people can kind of go down rabbit holes and have just ideas that are not based in any uh, reality. Oh yeah, like the All Right Pipeline, I've heard about that. Yeah, and people might start out just um, engaging with some content online and then they, they join groups and they just become... Um, go further and further into conspiracy theory groups mm-hmm. uh, and this can be a big impact we see it with vaccines for example if people stop vaccinating their children that has a big impact on everybody else anyway Matthew's going to ask you uh, the next couple of questions over to you Matthew um, so uh, here are two questions that I'd like to ask you um, what are the different types of false information if you'd like to tell us that well one of the things that's very challenging is how we define false disinformation in the first place. So you can think about content. So disinformation is false information, something that is not true or doesn't have evidence. But you could also think about, um, you know, 
the harms that something caused. So it could be um, false information that causes harm uh, to society. The challenge, of course, is that not everything is straightforward and has lots of evidence behind it. So when we talk about the safety of vaccines, for example, or the existence of climate change, there is a lot of scientific evidence. But there are lots of other issues where it's not as easy to say that something is completely true or completely false. So um, here's the uh, fourth question. How can you spot in false information and what can be done to like protect ourselves against it? Well, from a media literacy perspective, the number one thing we ask people to do is just to remember to take the time you know, to stop, think and check what they're doing. So if something seems you know, too outrageous or too alarming, you know, take time to think about, well, where did this come from and is it true? And that's something that all of us can do quite easily is to just take a step back, especially from social media or getting messages into your WhatsApp where we often feel like we should react immediately. But if we just take the time to step back and say, you know, is this true? Is this realistic? Is it plausible? That, thank you for that. Um, so I'm going to pass you back to Melissa now. So, um, yeah, she'll ask you the remaining questions. Thank, thanks for talking. Okay, Dr. Kalati. So how can we help each other develop media literacy, especially in the case for like people going through big developmental stuff, like so teenagers, the elderly, etc., people who'd be more vulnerable to misinfo? How can we help them develop media literacy? That's a really great question because it's a responsibility for all of us. And sometimes we talk about young people lacking media literacy or older people lacking media literacy. But actually all of us can improve our media literacy because we might be very knowledgeable about some things and not very knowledgeable about others. So, for example, young people, many of them will be very knowledgeable about uh, TikTok and videos and they can easily tell whether something is a joke or not. Older people might struggle with that. Older people would much more easily maybe tell uh, whether something is a credible piece of news. So actually, we can be helping each other rather than it just being down to individuals. Okay, okay, good, good, good. Building on that, our final one, what would you recommend to help people be more media literate then? Well, here in Ireland, we have a national association for media literacy and they have a website called Be Media Smart. Mm -hmm. And coming up in October, there will be International Media Literacy Week. So there will be lots of uh, campaigns around it. There's a whole week? I never knew that. A whole week for media literacy. (laughs) Uh, and so people can go to that website, bemediasmart.ie, and find out more information about what they can do. And they can do that any time of the year, not just during uh, Media Literacy Week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds really cool, actually. Anyway, Dr. Colletti, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, great job there by Matthew Ryan and Melissa Scales. Um, that was Eileen Colletti, Assistant Professor in the School of Communications and Deputy Director of the Institute for Media, Democracy and Society. And very interesting points brought up there about the dangers of fake news and um, misinformation. We were asking you at home who you think... Carrie's most famous person is living or dead. We're getting a lot of responses into 066 712 6. You can text WhatsApp 083 300 Hi Joe, in my opinion, um, there are different categories of famous people. In history, I would say Daniel O'Connell, the Liberator. Thank you. Great programme. She says Bridget O'Connor. Thank you for that, Bridget. A caller says that he thinks the most famous person in Kerry would be Binny Jim O'Sullivan. And we had to do a bit of research to see who Binny Jim was. Binny Jim, as an 18-year-old, Binny O'Sullivan was on Waterville South Kerry Championship winning team of 1963. But having moved to London shortly afterwards, he did not collect his winner's medal. And there's a great article on that um, on uh, the Kerry Man website as well, if you want to get a bit more information um, on that. Um, 
and more famous Kerry people, um, re-famous people, the Gooch. My God, he gave us some joy. He has to be one of the most famous Kerry people and still doing us proud. Hi, Joe. How about Daniel O'Connell as the most famous Kerry person from Diana? And more Daniel O'Connells. Daniel O'Connell or any of our 1916 leaders all forgotten about uh, on the streets of Tralee replaced by footballers. Um, and thanks. Good programme. Good morning, Joe. My favourite Kerry people, and I like this, there's kind of an order. Number one, Thomas Ash. Number two, Mary O'Connor, Rosa Tralee in brackets. And three, Christy Hennessy, of course, the famous Christy Hennessy. Yours faithfully, Connie Turner Tralee. There's a bit of a Tralee slant uh, to those um, famous people. But keep those coming in. Uh, 066 712 You can text WhatsApp 083 300 Melissa, you're still with us. And there was something that was mentioned there in the Vox Pop about famous people. And it was like, oh, Tyke Furlong, which, Furlong, which is very apt because Ireland are playing tonight in this huge rugby game. But it's, it's uh, the person said, it always comes up on my For You page. And I was asking during the week, what the hell is a for you page? Can you explain that to me? Yeah, it's like you know TikTok. It's basically the recommended video. It's the recommended videos. Oh yeah, Aslan in the studio said his name's actually Ty Fleming. Oh, it's a Ty Fleming. Yeah. A lad, I was showing you my ear there. Yeah. <laughs> the famous Ty Fleming. I thought it was Ty Forlog. Oh, it's Ty Fleming. Of course, your Ty Forlog is not from Kerry. He's from Wexford. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I don't. So. I don't follow. I don't follow him though. I mean, his content's just not my thing. You know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I know my dad won't let me miss that rugby match at least. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, are you looking forward to it? Well, my, no, I'm not, but my dad will be. And he'll make you watch it, will he? Good, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> wait, I thought it was South Africa. Wait, I thought we were playing South African soccer. Oh, yeah, it is no, South Africa. No, it's rugby. No, that, no rugby. <laughs> no, yeah. that, it's a, there's a soccer thing of South Africa versus Ireland. I saw an ad for it. Dear yeah, yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, so it's rugby. So I, I don't know, Melissa, will you be looking at it either? I um, mean, like... My cousins all follow it, so I might as well watch it. Yeah, very good. Well, we've to go to a break for the news. Jack Duggan is another one that's come in. The Wild Colonial by, of course, from Castle Main. Um, another good shout there. We're going to have lots more with our TY students, transition year students. After this, we're going to go to news, and I'll join you again the next hour. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Get in touch with us, 66 712 You can text WhatsApp, 0833033300. We're into the second hour of this very special Saturday Supplement, which is produced by Transition Your Students all this week. TY students were in Radio Kerry with us, learning all aspects of radio. And like I said, today's programme is produced entirely by them. This, of course, is an association with Learning Waves and Commission Naman. And um, very much looking forward to this hour. We'll have a former Kerry captain. Um, we'll be finding out about this latest craze about men thinking about the Roman Empire. I know you might be as confused as I am, but don't worry. Our students will clarify um, everything for us. And um, I'm delighted to say now, back in studio with us, we have Efo Keith and Thomas Keen, and I'm going to speak to them very shortly. But firstly, we're going to listen to an interview they uh, did about mental health uh, support services that are available to young people in Kerry. And they caught up with Donna Henry, who's the HSC Suicide Prevention Officer. Good morning. I'm Aoife O'Keefe, and I'm from St. Bridget's in Killarney. Good morning. I'm Thomas Keen from Nottingham, and I go to St. Pat's in Castle Island. Today on the show we have Donna Hennebury, HSE Suicide Resource Officer for Kerry and he will let us know about the mental health support services available for young people in Kerry. Welcome Donna. Good morning. 
Um, Donna, firstly, can you tell me what are some healthy coping mechanisms for dealing with stress or difficult emotions? The way we, we look and we, we think about mental health, we, we often think of it as something someone else has and, and we often think of it as, as something that's kind of out there and, and we often don't take ownership in the same way that maybe we do with our dental health or our physical health. We're all happy to say we have dental health, you know what I mean? And, and, and at times we might need to go to a dentist and, and get our teeth cleaned and get our teeth looked after. We're not as good at, at, at actually putting our hand up and saying, actually, I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm anxious, I'm... I'm worried whatever it might be so there are things we can do ourselves of course there are things like um clearing our head getting outdoors um breathing air you know what i mean so there's a thing called the, the five ways to well-being uh, which are connect be active take notice get involved and give and they're seen as the five little things you can do every day to mind your mental health um and then i suppose for some people maybe they do need some more support and i think we'll talk about that a bit later why are some resources available for teenagers struggling with mental health Within Kerry, I think we're we're really lucky that we have some absolutely fantastic services. I suppose the whole way we have to look at it is, is as I was saying, I suppose we need to kind of take ownership of, of when we need support. And and the first support, I suppose, for a lot of people would be their parents. Um, so that, that talking to, to as, as Jigsaw put it, that one good adult in your life, that one person you can talk to. For others, it might be talking to a, a guidance counsellor in school or maybe one of their, their year heads or one of their teachers in school. For others, they might want that external support. So someone maybe that they, they don't know. And as I just mentioned them, Jigsaw would be an obvious service for a lot of people. And then depending on, on what the issue is or what's upsetting that person or, or what they want to, the support uh, regarding in their life, there are other services. Uh, we obviously have CAMS, we have the GP, we have Samaritans and Pieta. So we, we're, we're so lucky that we have so many fantastic services around the county. Um, are there any activities or practices that can improve mental health? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the five ways to well-being maybe and, and, and talk a little bit more about them. So connect, be active, take notice, get involved and give. So connecting um, is, is that, I suppose, interacting with other people, talking to other people. Um, we, we've probably moved a, a bit away from this over the past few years I think with, with the digital age we're probably a bit more inclined to, to connect with people uh, through social media or through phones or online and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but it's really important to remember to actually just talk to a human being and I'm not saying we talk about our mental health but just that interaction with a human being when, when possible is really important uh, being active, we all know how important our uh, being active is for our physical health it's also really important for our mental health. So getting outdoors, getting fresh air, it doesn't have to be running a marathon. It doesn't have to be, you know, cycling 200 kilometres. It can be whatever is, you know I mean, whatever is just getting your heart rate that little bit, moving a little bit faster. It can be gardening. It can be painting a fence. It can be anything. Uh, take notice. Um, taking that deep breath, taking a step back, looking at the world around you. Uh, I'm not from Kerry. Um, uh, I'm... I'm uh, I'm from across the border and I'm from Cork so it, 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 it's tough to say it but Kerry is absolutely stunning and taking notice of that world around you but also taking notice of how you're feeling and when you're upset or when you're angry and acknowledging that and, and deciding do you need that support do you need to talk to someone uh, getting involved is about keeping our brain active uh, so the same way as our physical health is be active this is, this is the same with our brain and that I'm not trying to say stay in school. That can be things like learning a new instrument uh, or taking up a new hobby and trying to get your brain active. And finally is to give. Doing little things for other people um, makes us feel happier too. And that doesn't have to be something massive like volunteering. If someone can do, vo you know, I mean, can volunteer, that's amazing. But it can be as simple as holding the door open when you leave this room. Um, so doing those little things um, can kind of help us all hopefully feel a little bit better. Um. 
How can uh, young people balance school, social life and self-care to promote good mental health? Yeah, it's tough and, and it's, it's tough for young people and it's tough for older people and, and it's a really hard balance and it's very individual and so it's about trying to find what works for you and um, because what works for me won't work for you so I'm and I'm still trying to figure out figure out what works for me and I'm still trying to get that balance between between work and and I have two toddlers at home and I, and uh, and how I balance that and how I look after myself and my stress levels because so I cycle a lot but my ability to cycle has has gone down since I've had two kids whereas I probably need it more than I ever did before so I would be tr- saying like I mentioned the five a day, but there's no point me telling people to take up a hobby or to do something if they don't enjoy it. So it's about looking at the five a day and trying to find things that work for you and then putting that in balance with your school life and maybe a part-time job and your friends and your family and trying to, to get a nice balance of all of them. Since September is Suicide Awareness Prevention Month, how can we as young people raise awareness on it and identify ways to prevent it? So uh, the 10th of September is is World Suicide Prevention Day um, and exactly one month after that on the 10th of October is is World Mental Health Day. So so they're they're exactly a month apart. Uh, I am wearing a green ribbon although people listening obviously can't see that and and the green ribbon is about is for the month of September for reducing that stigma and and trying to say you know what I mean, where we want to, to talk about mental health. And I'm not saying I'm going to open up about my problems, but that we're willing to acknowledge that mental health exists and that we all want to chat about it, which is really the first step. And I think we've gone a long way towards that over the past few years in, in Ireland. And on the 10th of October then, obviously, is World Mental Health Day, and it's kind of looking more holistic at how we can improve all our mental health. And we do have the uh, Kerry Mental Health and Wellbeing Fest that runs from the, the Saturday before to the Saturday after World Mental Health Day. Uh, for the last six years, actually, this will be the sixth year of it um, and this year I think we're now up at over 70 free events around the county one of the uh, audiences I would say we haven't had involved as much as I would like to see as young people um, I would love to see more young people attending events and going to events and even advising us on, on what we should be putting on for, for the festival too Finally Donna what initiatives are being promoted in schools around the county and the country? Yeah, so there's there's loads going on in schools. I think I think schools have uh, do an amazing job at, at promoting mental health and well-being. There are things that that are happening, I suppose, that we don't even think about as being uh, really positive for mental health. So there could be things like I suppose if you think of the five a day, be active was one of them. So so even PE class or extracurricular, you know, what I mean where people might take part in sport after school, those things are really positive for your mental health. Um, in general, I think most people have have a peer group and friends within school, which is obviously really positive for your mental health. And then obviously there's other events too. So obviously, as I already mentioned, the Mental Health and Wellbeing Fest, which which has um, which is promoted through schools, and we we try and get parents and, and young people involved to that. And then there's other ones like. Jigsaw have a, a One Good School programme, um, Pieta House have a schools programme, uh, the Amber Flag, there's, uh, I'm going to leave one out now and I'm going to get in trouble, uh, but I suppose most of these organisations have different things that, that go on in schools. I'm also involved in a, uh, a student support training where, where we work with the year heads, principals, uh, guidance counsellors and, and teachers from, from all the post-primary schools within within Kerry and, and how they can help to support young people. So I think, I don't think people always see the massive amount of work that, that principals and, and deputy principals and teachers are putting in and those school staff are putting in around the county to promote the young people's mental health. Thank you Donna for being with us here today and answering all our questions. Thank you for coming in to talk to us today. 
Yeah, great interview there again, done by Aoife O'Keefe and uh, Thomas Keane with Donna Hinnenbury. Um Aoife, some very interesting topics there brought up uh, by Donna, wasn't there? Uh, yeah. yeah. Anything in particular that stood out um, to you? I found it very interesting learning about the five a day because it's something practical and something that everyone can do to stay having a good well-being and mental health. Yeah, well said. Um, Thomas, how did you find, I suppose, ca- carrying out an interview like that? Uh, so it was my first time, obviously, interviewing someone. Yeah. At first it was kind of daunting, but like as time went on, it kind of got more like fluid, I suppose you would say. Yeah. And, like more comfortable with being there. Yeah, very good. Is this something you'd like to do in the future, do you think? Uh, maybe. Yeah. You've got a taste for it now, anyway. Yeah, yeah and a great, great job done by both of you. Um, we're getting a massive reaction, lads, to, um, in relation to famous um, Kerry people and who do you think uh, your most famous Kerry person is. Um, also, we had um, a text in about manners. As a general rule, people definitely aren't as polite as they were. This goes across all ages. Since COVID, it's almost like people are afraid to say hello, even when out walking. In shops, it is rare that someone makes eye contact, let alone says hello or thanks. Um, a few more famous people. To me, it's Mick O'Connell, the famous footballer, but also a gentleman living a quiet life in Valinch Island, devoting life to his family. Hi, Joe. My four would be Daniel O'Connell and Mick O'Connell, the Kinmare nun and Dr. Patricia Sheehan. And Dr. Patricia Sheehan is a great shout as well. Um, The Kinmare nun. So the nun of Kinmare was Margaret Anna Cusick and uh, she was known for her work uh, with the poor. So very interesting. I'd like to find out a bit more about her and there is a book on her as well. Um, Very, it sounds like a very interesting um, lady. Um, Hi Joe, St. Brendan the Navigator as the most famous person. Also Monsignor Hugh Flaherty from Diana and they are great shouts there as well and um, Monsignor Hugh O'Flaherty buried in uh, the grounds of the Daniel O'Connell Memorial Church and I was lucky enough to interview the late Donald Courtney um, there, what a great actor and uh, producer director he was and uh, he did a one man show on Monsignor Hugh O'Flaherty in the Daniel O'Connell Church where Monsignor Hugh O'Flaherty would have been a priest and it was absolutely astounding and excellent and something that I'll never forget congratulations to all the TY students on your programme this morning particularly hello to Aoife O'Keefe from all her relatives in Limerick, they're listening to you there Aoife Limerick, say hello to them Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Tyke Fleming might be one of the most famous people in Kerry. Not Tyke Furlong, as I said earlier. Um, Jackie Healy Ray is another uh, suggestion. Father Pat Ahern, of course, uh, heavily involved founder of Shim Satira and so much more. Tralee and North Kerry. Kerry most famous, uh, the late Tom Crean, um, on a skull who travelled to uh, the North Pole. And uh, yeah, that's another one. I think it was the South Pole, but <laughs> to clarify that, uh, I think North Pole is our sentience, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, get in touch with us if, we're, uh, if you want to have more suggestions on famous people. 0667123366. You can text the WhatsApp 0833300300. We'll more after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. 
066 You can text or WhatsApp 0833003300. And you are listening to a very special uh, programme in association with Learning Waves and Commission Com- Com- Man. All this week, the TY students from around the county were in with us learning all aspects of radio. And this is kind of a, a national um, uh, thing that happens as well. And Radio Carry were one of the first to, uh, to do this. And we've done it over the last few years. And it's always so rewarding. And I'm always so amazed at the calibre of students that we produce in this county. And uh, the programme they produce as well is a credit to them and their schools. Now I'm joined by a big group of burly lads here that are after coming into studio. And they wanted as much sport as possible. I'd say if the lads had full uh, run of this programme, it'd be all sports. But we uh, we did a great sports interview uh, during the week with a former Kerry captain. And in studio we have Ryan Hand, we have David Carney, uh, Joe Horn and Luke O'Mahony. And before I go to Luke Ryan, what school are you in? Uh, go to Clash And David? Causeway Comprehensive. And Joe? The ISK. And Luke? Mount Hawk. Mount Hawk. Luke, you can introduce this next piece for us. Uh, so during the week, David Carney, Joe Horn and Ryan Hand interviewed former Kerry captain and MTU lecturer Fiona Fitzgerald about his research on the maturation effect in underage sports. How young people develop physically at different rates and the effect this has on their participation in sport. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Fionn. Um, my first question was, uh, can you describe your findings with us during your uh, studies? So what we found was that from looking at maybe about over nearly 250 players from under 14 to under 16, um, this is in boys now, um, that there is a bias towards um, early maturing players, which basically means that players who are slightly ahead of uh, other players in relation to their biological age so in other words their bodies are slightly more developed than um, than other players um, so that was probably the, the most significant finding really so far we've had a few other um, studies and parts there too but I suppose the, the the consequences of that would be that you're potentially maybe leaving out players who aren't as uh, advanced in their maturity yes Um and that's their physical maturity and secondly then the, the other part about it would be that maybe the players who are advanced in their maturity now um, aren't getting enough of a challenge um, are getting a lot of opportunities right now but when the, the the playing field levels out when they get a little bit older and everyone is kind of caught up that they may be at a slightly disadvantage in that time so um, yeah so that that's kind of the, one of the main findings another probably interesting one is that like how we how we'd actually estimate um, maturity is based on players' heights and weights and their parents' heights. And what we, um, I suppose, what we also did was a study looking at with coaches. So from coaches watching on, um, your, your your average coach watching a game or watching training with, with a group over a period of time, can they estimate whether a player is early on time or late maturing? Um, so I suppose most people probably associate that with being a big player or a small player being whether they're early maturing or late maturing but as we know and there's loads of examples of of siblings where there might be a big sibling and a smaller sibling and all that it's actually very very difficult to estimate and what we found was that without coaches ability to estimate that from the sideline is is quite poor whereas when you estimate um, using the likes of the equations that we used or the the measurements we did that it's, it's a lot more accurate so there, there are some some of the key ones, and last one then probably Ryan would be we, we did um we did one on on a 
uh, method of, of uh, grouping players together. So normally you play your under 14 or 15, you, you play in your normal traditional age group. But what we did is we got rid of the age groups and we actually um, put players together based on their stage of maturity. So we had an, a, a very early maturing group and we had a less mature group as well. And they played their games and trained uh, together and they found us, uh, they both found it very useful in, in different ways. So the, the early maturing players found it uh, quite difficult because they were playing against a lot of physical players um, of the same kind of ilk as they would be um, and they probably couldn't maybe dominate games that they normally would um, and on the other end the, the less mature players found that they had opportunities to maybe get on the ball get possession of the ball an awful lot more take up um, I suppose more central roles in the game that they may not normally get if they're playing in the, the traditional game Yeah thank you for that um, and were you late maturing yourself or were you early maturing? Um, I don't not, not that I don't know but I suppose we didn't have the the, the knowledge and the methods and all back when I was playing but I, I would fairly accurately I'd say suggest that I was a late mature definitely, I definitely wasn't an early mature anyway I was more late maturing slash on time I'd say um, just thinking back to my own kind of under 13, 14 15 ages really I, I would have struggled maybe played fine but would have struggled to mark very very physical players at maybe 13, 14 but when it got to maybe 16, 17 and the, the um, playing field got a little bit more level I would have found players I struggled with that were physically a lot more advanced than me at 13 I, I was a lot more able for them when I got to 16, 17, 18 you know that type type way Yeah do you believe that um, any late maturing players went on to play for Kerry? Um <laughs> There, there definitely would be but I suppose to be honest we, we don't necessarily know enough about it yet um, as I said like it, 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 it'd be interesting now because we're, we're, we have I suppose we have a lot of information collected now to keep an eye on players over the next maybe 5, 10, 10 years or so um, and it'll be a lot more normal from that point of view but there will be like, uh, like I said I probably may have been one myself um, I, I would imagine Paul Murphy would be probably a good example he probably didn't play a lot of um, we'll say minor some of the underage teams coming up along the way um, Brian Fenton is a good example with Dublin um, he, and he would be quite open about that that he would have struggled maybe underage and along the, along the way up and then he basically just kind of nearly came in at senior level really and Damon Comer is another good example high profile in, in uh, Galway who um, who would have who now obviously is a hugely physical player um, but back when he was younger he, he, he took a huge growth spurt later than a lot of his peers and I suppose as a result he would have struggled maybe with school teams and underage teams uh, and he's kind of been open enough about it as well so there is a couple that come to mind but like I said um, there, there's a lot of examples in other sports too Thank you We probably, we probably don't know enough. we probably don't have enough of them as the answer to the question because in general they, they probably don't get the, the opportunities that maybe an early maturing player would get Very good Joe uh, Fionn what did you find most interesting from the findings? Um, I found so I had about maybe four or five different studies we did I gave you just a little flavour of some of them but one of the studies I, I really enjoyed was the bio-bending um, games that we played and I did interviews uh, focus groups with, with players and coaches and I found that obviously really really interesting to interview the, the um, very interesting to interview the coaches and get their side of it so basically coaches would have found that they maybe had certain opinions formed of, of players but when they got to see them in a bio-bended game these opinions changed so maybe early maturing players who were dominating in certain games they found that really really um, 
you know, they found them in the byband games, they, they struggled a bit and they saw them in a different light and maybe potentially the same with, with less mature players who maybe may have been playing typically in a corner position and not got too much possession. But as a result, in the, the byband games, they saw them in a completely different light and, and really saw their, their, maybe their future potential, if you want to call it that. But the interesting part of that one as well was we got to interview players and I thought for for young players maybe 13 years of age some 14 they were brilliant their insight into the game and basically their insight into how they played we'll say in those types of games I found that that, that is particularly interesting now I must say that was really a real highlight for me of, of a lot of the studies whereby the players were able to explain a lot of this and I wouldn't have told them anything they were able to kind of figure it out themselves so that was quite interesting yeah um, was there a drop in participation among late maturing players ok so that wasn't to- like my study wasn't totally to do with participation but indirectly it would be linked like so I suppose to answer your question we had maybe only I think it was one or two late maturing players found the whole system so I suppose to, to answer your question in, in a roundabout way there would be less late maturing players in, in that we'll, say, we'll call it a talent system and then probably that may also link down or, 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 or drop down to club level as well. So I suppose ultimately, like longer term, there would definitely be an, an impact on uh, on participation, and that's that's probably one of the big kind of areas I suppose that you, you're hoping to educate parents and coaches um, and players around that. You know, every player develops at their own rate, and allowing them the time to develop at this at these kind of critical ages. So we are talking maybe in boys. 13 to 15, 16 if you can keep them playing until and, and in those ages it's, it's a really important time and, f- and for girls slightly earlier than that because they go through the they go through the growth spurt or they go through puberty a little bit earlier than, than boys David uh, Hi Fionn what would you say would be the highlight of David. your career? Um, I know, like I suppose the obvious one you, you would say is probably winning All-Ireland with Kerry which is obviously a huge that's a it's a childhood dream or a life, a life dream really I suppose in some ways so that was superb um, I, I suppose on a personal level then even winning in the All-Ireland Club at Crokes that was a different feeling but it was it was an incredible one because we 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 worked very hard for a long period of time and, and we probably it looked like we probably were never going to get there and um, that one I suppose on a personal level with all your close friends and just we had a lot of losses there around All-Ireland semi-final stage so to get get over the line there was that was a huge one and that's probably one that will live with me longest in in that way um, and obviously as I said Captain Kerry then in winning the All Ireland was was absolutely huge and that's that's a completely different one as well like so I I just I've had loads of different ones I've been I've been lucky um, and I've I've been unlucky at times as well but overall I would say um, the the good days have certainly outweighed all the bad days anyway and it's and I've had great memories so far yeah uh, lastly would you have any advice for young Athletes. Um, yeah, like I, I suppose I work a lot with young athletes. Um, that would they would be probably the the population I'd, I'd have most interest in. I would say that, base, that 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 performance is obviously something that everyone strives to be good at the whole time. Or, and uh, but what I would say is that it can be very up and down when you're when you're those ages because there's a lot of changes in the body and um, socially and life in general. And, and what I, what I would say is that trying to I suppose focus on Improving is probably the most important thing I can say, regardless of winning along the way, and regardless of um, you know how exactly you're performing at that, at that period of time. Because 
they're the they're the long life be it in sport wise and, and in in general life after that that if you can stay involved in sport as long as possible and stay healthy that I, I think that you know most people who hang in there do well or they get great sense of fulfillment uh, longer term um, so like there's huge physical changes in the body at those ages um, but also there's there's a lot going on in other parts of it but I think you know the friends and the social part that you get with it and all the other benefits there are huge like so I, I, I just think that the longer you can stay in it there and maybe if, if at times you feel um, that you're, you're, you're falling out of love with sport or struggling with it in whatever way that's probably quite normal and you're going to have loads of other struggles in life in, in general as well so I do think hanging in there and, um, and and focusing on maybe improving yourself as opposed to how you're performing all the time is, is definitely a way around that like you know yeah, fascinating research and uh, information there by former Kerry captain Fionn Fitzgerald, an MTU uh, lecturer about his research on the matura- maturation effect in underage sports. Uh, Ryan Hand, David Carney and Joe Horn and Luke O'Mahony are still with us. Um, Joe, um, how did you find uh, doing interviews like that uh, during the week? I really enjoyed it. It was it was a very good interview. It was a subject that you know you really wouldn't think about, and I'd never really come across before. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. It was fascinating talking yeah. to him. Yeah, excellent. Um, Luke, I was saying to you there during the interview that um, I was in here in transi- transition year in '98. That's not today or yesterday. And uh, it was your father and you, yeah. Joe and Seamus, yeah. your your grandfather, were. Um, I had to sit with them for a day, so it's coming around now, anyway, isn't it? That yeah. you, you were sitting with me during the week. Um, yeah, because I remember them, they used to be inside there, and I was telling Luke that it was Teletext they were using to get their research. They didn't have the internet like he had this week trying to find out. You, you were trying to get um, a San Marino player, you were telling me there during the break as well, uh, on to, to interview as well. Uh, how did that go? Not great. Oh, yeah, You're still probably. waiting, are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. San Marino's most capped player, is it? Yeah. yeah. 87 <laughs> appearances. Very good. One well, goal, we might. One goal. <laughs> we would goal, 87 yeah, appearances. Striker as well. We, striker. We might bring you on next year so to the other transition year course to, to conduct that interview if he gets back to you. But that's the joys of it, isn't it? You, yeah. you have to kind of throw out a lot of um, different queries and then you might only get one, and but that one is a brilliant one. So well done. Um, excellent job there. You're going to stay with us because you're going to be talking to me about, I suppose, the for and against of uh, social media. And we're also going to be finding out about what is the Roman Empire. Men thinking about the Roman Empire during the week. What's all this about? You're listening to the Saturday Supplement with Joe McGill on Radio Kerry. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Yes, indeed, and a very special Saturday supplement. Uh, it's in association with Learning Waves and Commission Naman. All this week, we ran a radio course in Radio Kerry with. TY students and today's programme is produced uh, by them. Lots of messages um, to get to, which I'll get to very uh, shortly, but keep them coming in 066 You can text the WhatsApp 083 300 Who is Kerry's most famous uh, person? Now, another phenomenon, which is, I suppose, I've, I heard about only geez, a few days ago and I didn't know what it was all about, about men thinking about the Roman Empire so many times during the week. Well, Abby Slattery joins us in studio now to clarify what is this all about Abby? Uh, Well today we'll be discussing a trend that's taking TikTok by storm. Uh, In the trend women ask their husband or boyfriend to share how often they think about the Roman Empire 
Uh, these women were very surprised by their partner's answers. Apparently, the majority of the men who partook in this trend had actually been thinking about the Roman Empire as fre- frequently as every day or at least three to four times a month. Most people were fascinated by what a huge part of their interior lives this historical period plays. This video has been racking up, these videos have been racking up hundreds of thousands of likes and the hashtag, hashtag Roman Empire currently has over 1.3 billion views. But one thing this trend had us wondering is what do the people of Kerry think about most during the week? Probably the weekend coming. <laughs> Anything specific on the weekend? I suppose leisure time. What kind? Anything sports, getting out on the bike, meeting a few people, you know. Okay. What do you think about the most during the week? Camogie training. <laughs> Camogie. <laughs> what to make for the dinner? Camogie. <laughs> okay. Who are we? What do you think about the most during the week? I don't know. I don't know. Nothing really. I'm the same every day. Food. I think most of the weekend. What do you think about most during the week? I suppose for me, my main thought would be turned towards God. The weekend. Work. What do you think of most? I'd say horses, is it? Food. Weather and looking for nice opportunities to walk around Kerry. Oh, lovely one there to finish off. Yeah, a lot of people saying food, the weather. Do you know what I was surprised at? That no one said family or kids. You'd think that's what they'd um, say. I presume maybe that's what your mother would say if she was asked, would you? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> That's a good political answer. Um, yeah, so that's what uh, people think about during the week. The Roman Empire. No one said the Roman Empire anyway, which I thought was very um, interesting. Um, you mentioned TikTok there, Abby. Well, a, a lot of, I suppose, a year world now is surrounded with social media. And to discuss this further, Luke, David and Ryan and Joe are still with us in uh, studio. And uh, Luke and David are going to, I suppose, talk about the benefits of social media. And Ryan and and Joe are going to talk about, I suppose, the not so good parts of it. So, Joe, we go to you first. You're, or sorry, you're, you're, you're for it. I should say. So, yeah. Joe, Joe and Ryan are for it, and Luke and David are against. So, Joe, why are you for it? Why are you for social media? Well, I'm for it because it's like it's a great way to connect with people that you might not always be able to connect with, like relatives and family abroad, because it's such a big thing nowadays and in the past. Mm. And especially during COVID, that was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And 70% of internet users use social media to communicate. So it's, it is used and it's mm. a great way of communicating. Mm. Would you pick up a phone now to contact someone or would, you, would it be more social media messaging or something? It would be more social media messaging to Snapchat or Instagram or anything like that. Okay, very good. Um, Ryan, you're for it as well? Yeah, I think it's great for like making communities and finding people with other like interests that you have and kind of like seeing how their views of things are and great way to like keep friends and make friends and find things in common mm. David you're against it yeah well I I'm just thinking that like you know people can be victims of cyberbullying and all that mm-hmm. and you know that has a big toll on mental health and all that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it can lead people to great depression and stuff like so yeah, it's become a huge thing, isn't it? Because they were saying maybe bullying before it might stop at the school gates, but now it goes home in your pocket because you have it. All, you have the phone all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Luke, any other reasons you'd be against it? I guess like people become like more like antisocial in real life because they're so used to like being able to message people on their phone. Mm-hmm. They like forget how to actually talk to people. Yeah, like, if they're meeting with someone, then it's just on their phones instead of yeah. actually talking to each other. Yeah, completely. And do you think people are addicted to it? 
A bit, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it is addictive, though, like the apps like TikTok and stuff, like it's hard to get off them, I guess. Yeah, and we were talking about mental health there as well, but even it's, it's tough to get a, a good night's sleep as well. Yeah, because I guess if you're on your phone, like, before you go to bed, then your mind's still, like, active. Mm. It's hard to sleep, yeah. Yeah. Um, there, I suppose, though, there are many benefits, like, even from a sporting context, um, you know, groups and pages and things like that. Even, I suppose, you know, from uh, results, Joe, like, even to kind of tune in to, to get results, Twitter or, or whatever, what's it called now, X, you know, any of those things are very handy. Yeah, like, if, if you can't watch a match or anything like that, you can get live updates as they're happening. And, like, sometimes you can even, like, watch the match on your phone and bring it with you instead of having to sit down in front of the telly at home or anything like that. And mm. Yeah. What are the main ones, Ryan, people are using now? Because <laughs> I, I've i kind of stuck at Facebook and uh, X, those it's called. Oh, sorry, Instagram as well. But there's a few more. And what, what are the kind of main ones you'd be using, people your age? I think people my age would be most using um, maybe Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, definitely, definitely those three mostly anyway. And they'd be picking up the phone and stuff. I'd say too, like if someone didn't answer on, on Snapchat or whatever. Yeah. But it wouldn't be the first option. I'd say. Yeah, but like back when I was your age, we had we had a landline now, right? So like Mark Little was talking about the phone onto the wall. We could spend an hour on the phone talking to each other. Would you? Would you converse like that, Abby? Would you? Would you say? Would you? Would you talk on the phone for an hour, or would it be more through the social media? Uh, well, I think for our age, it's more common for girls. Like I'd very often FaceTime my friends. Yeah. Like most nights, I'd be talking to my friends on FaceTime for like even up to an hour or two. Yeah. So yeah, that would be quite common. Yeah, and I suppose that's actual FaceTime, so you're actually looking at someone there. Yeah, you are. Yeah, so it's a, a video. Um, that was the other thing. We got a cordless phone. It was great because you could go down to your room and you could spend an hour without anyone knowing. Although my mother would press a button on the phone and it'd beep, beep, beep to find out where the phone was. So you'd get caught in on the phone. The bill used to be extremely high. That's the other advantage, I suppose, is there's no co- cost, Luke, really. You know, as such, you don't need a lot of credit although you're using data so I suppose it's, it's that way as well yeah but if you're at home like Snapchat like it's not costing you anything just to text yeah. someone or if you're messaging someone on Instagram as well yeah you're on the wireless yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> not, not the old wireless the new wireless um, uh, how are you finding the, the week Ryan how, are you, how, are you, how did you find the whole experience I think it's been great just to find out how things work here and it's definitely a great experience to have anyway um, yeah, no, I've had great crack throughout the week, anyway. Yeah, brilliant. We've a lot of messages to get to, so I better get to those. And then we're going to be bringing all these wonderful students into studio with us to find out how they found uh, the week. Joe Ree, Mental Health. I love Radio Kerry and I love going to Mass and I love your show, Killarney OAP. Thanks, thanks, Willie Fred. The late Tom McEllistrom, grandfather of the present Thomas, for the part he played in the Civil War and was part of the first doll. That's in relation to Kerry's most famous person. Uh, Michal Amara Hartig, who entertained us for years with GA Broadcasts. Yeah, it's good that he's being mentioned. Pat Murphy, the famous international race walker from Castle Island, is definitely the most famous Kerry uh, person. And Pat, I interviewed Pat, and he's still going strong, so well done to him. Well done to all the Transition Year students this morning's Super Show. Congratulations to the TY students on the programme. Really great piece on mental health from Angela in the stole. 
um, mother Margaret Mary Healy Murphy from Cairn and Carhassavine, Irish American Catholic religious sister and widow and early civil rights activist died in 1907. Her plaque is up in Daniel O'Connell Memorial Church, Carhassavine. Leonard Hurley did great work on the research there. I interviewed him um, before, so that's another great one to, to, to mention. But I don't know if she that famous, but um, I think with the work that Leonard's doing and, and, and more that she is becoming more famous. She was related to Daniel O'Connell as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, a brilliant programme. Agree totally with the, with the lads regarding development of players. Makes so much sense. Great that you highlighted it, and that's Eddie Stack Churchill. Um, hi Joe, I think Dick Spring for the most famous person and that comes in from Mary what a fantastic bunch of young people it was fabulous to listen to them well done Radio Kerry on a brilliant TY experience uh, Joe definitely brought out the best in them a great mentor I will say as well that we've had uh, lots of Radio Kerry presenters and people that work behind the scenes talking to the students all week as well and Connie Broderick was uh, one of the, the tutors as well as well as uh, Fiona Stack so he had a pile of people in tea didn't he during the week uh, kind of giving you an insight into it well we're going to bring in a few more chairs and we're going to squish in a bit more because we're going to bring in all the different TY students from around the county the, not all the TY students from around the whole county but the ones that participated this week into the studio with us we go to break with more after these the saturday supplement on radio kerry brought to you by virgin media ireland's best broadband visit virginmedia.ie it's playtime Yes, and we're all packed into studio now. Um, we've come almost to the end of the programme. Before I finish, I'm going to talk to these wonderful students in front of me to, hound, to find out, to hound them? No, to find out how they uh, found the week. Um, those young people are a credit to themselves, their parents, their schools, and Radio Kerry. Interesting topics. Thanks. John B. Keane. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't been mentioned already. His plays will keep Kerry and Irish traditions alive. And that comes in from Sean Healy. Thanks a million for that. Um, Joe, aren't we wishing our lives away by just looking forward to the weekend instead instead of making the most of each day? Catherine Ahern, Bally Longford. Well said, Catherine. Yeah, we have to enjoy every day and take it as it comes. Um, some great messages in uh, there. Um, Emer. Um, you, you can move into the mic there a little. Um, how did you uh, find the week? And again, remind us of the school you're from, Emer Cotter. I better give you a full title. I'm from Mercy Mount Hawk. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the week. Um, I feel like it put me out of my comfort zone a bit, you know, mm -hmm. having to talk in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. But I really enjoyed it and it was very, like, educational in a way, yeah. learning everything behind the scenes. Yeah, brilliant. Well said. It was a great description of it. Um, Abby Slattery, again, remind people of the school you're from and how you found the week? Uh, I'm from Gwilkloch Shakiri and I really enjoyed the week um, one thing that stood out for me is I really enjoyed the media literacy talk with uh, Trassa Murphy uh, I thought it was just really interesting to hear about the prevalence fake news has on particularly social media um, and just how to distinguish between fake news and what's actually true online. Yeah, excellent Luke O'Mahony, your school and how you found the week? Yeah, I'm from Mercy Talk in Chile and yeah, it was just really enjoyable just to see how things actually work in radio. Uh, I really enjoy like going downtown and interviewing people, just short like answers, like short questions. Yeah. Just being able to hear their opinions. Like. Was that nerve wracking? At the start, yeah, but then you get a bit used to it when people actually start like answering you. Yeah, yeah. It can be that just to go out and ask a stranger a, a question. And some people might run a mile from a mic microphone. Yeah. There's <laughs> people who went up to the just turned away didn't even answer you. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get used to reject rejection in this business. Uh David Kearney, um what what school are you in? 
I'm from Causeway Comprehensive School. Causeway, and uh, my sister-in-law's out there, you for Fox. Um, and how, how did you uh, find the week? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, and we were doing a lot of research and stuff, and I learned a lot of new things, and I made a lot of new friends, and I'd love to do it again if I could. Yeah, and um, so would you like a career in it, do you think? Yeah, I would, yeah, especially, like, I'm really interested in, like, podcasting and stuff. Yeah. So I'd love to do that. Excellent, and that's the way the world is going. So, yeah, that's great to have an interest in that. Thomas Keane, what school are you um, again? Uh, St. Pat's in Castle Island. And how did you find the week? Um, it was different to, like, what I expected because, like, it was, like, a whole load of new people and we had to learn new skills kind of quick to make sure that the show would go well. Yeah. Um, did you find it, it kind of took you out of your comfort zone? Yeah. Like you were saying, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and that that's a good thing, really, isn't it? Yeah. And I'd say a transition is going to be like that, isn't it? You're going to be trying new things. Yeah, it'll be like... A different experience. Yeah, excellent. Um, Aoife O'Keefe, the school you're in? Um, I'm from St. Bridget's in Clarny and I found the experience really good and a really positive one. Like, it was so good to see the behind the scenes of the radio and see what actually goes on. Yeah. It was very interesting. Excellent. We have a studio over in Clarny there too, so you could drop in there, head the out. You wouldn't have to go far. <laughs> um, is it something you'd like a career in? Um, yeah, I think so. It's, it's really interesting and it's fun. Like, you're... The, you're not doing the same thing every day. So. Yeah, that's what's that's uh, what's important. Um, Saif Cotter. Yeah, I'm from Mercy Mount Talk. I thought it was very enjoyable to like go downtown and interview people and see how everything works behind the scenes. Like you just think you just go on the radio, but it works a lot. You work a lot more than that. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, and that's what we always say that it's not just the two hours you're on air, there's so much more work into it. You have it. to plan and everything. Yeah, you're probably doing four or five times as much as that, yeah. Uh, we don't have personal assistants either or lattes or anything like that. <laughs> None of you would buy me a latte anyway during the week. I thought I'd make it something yeah. like that. But uh, um, <laughs> That was a laugh there, Matt. Do you know what? Matthew brought in uh, his mother's homemade biscuits. The smell of them this morning was absolutely fantastic. They were actually, the, the biscuit tin was hot from them. So, uh, Matthew, I, I must get your mother's recipe after this. Milena, tell us the school you're from and how you found the week. Um, I'm from Prestrelli and this week was really fun and interesting. I've learned a lot and I would definitely like to do something like that again. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, you did a great job. In, it was fantastic interviews you did, so well done. So you have a future in it if you, if you, if you want it. Um, Amelia? I'm from Press Trilly, mm -hmm. um, and I really enjoyed this week. It was a bit nerve-wracking to do the interviews, and today, like, I was really nervous, but, like, once you're actually here, it's, like, not as bad. And it was, like, interesting to see what actually happens. Like, there's much more work put into things than just somebody sitting in front of a mic and speaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, how do you find it now that it's kind of over, yeah? I don't know, it's kind of like, <laughs> I really would want to do it again, like... Yeah, yeah. there's a buzz in it, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Joe, um, tell us uh, how, how you find, found the whole experience, Joe Horn, and what school are you? Um, I'm in the ISK. Yeah, I that's in Clarglen? Yeah. yeah. I really loved the whole week and it was very interesting, and I especially liked interviewing... Fiona Fitzgerald and it was it was really interesting and fascinating and I loved contacting everyone about the interviews as well and it was really thrilling and you were right there like there is a buzz to it yeah brilliant um, is it something you'd like a career in yeah definitely I'm very interested by it 
Yeah, excellent. Um, you, you might share a few more of the microphones there with um, Matt. You might sit in there and. Oh, well, brilliant. Great chair. job. You're a professional. Great you're sitting chair. into the microphone yourself. Yeah. Matthew, uh, the school you're in and how you found it? Yeah. Hi, I'm from. I'm in Causeway Comprehensive School. I came in, I, I found it because, well, it sounded interesting and it had something called Movies and Photography in, which I don't think it has anymore. But there's like a whole film module thing I'm very excited about. I talked that earlier. And yes, yeah. I'm the, and yes, those on the radio, I am the one who brought the biscuits in. <laughs> <laughs> Will your mother share the recipe, do you think? I have no idea, alas. Yeah, well, fair play to her. She must have been up early this morning to have those yeah, ready. I, well, I mean, I had this thing where I wake up at seven. Yeah, okay. So you can wake up to the smell of that fresh baking. Um, wouldn't we like that no, in every I just, house? W- well, I woke up before like everyone else. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have a worry about being late or something. Oh, uh, like, well, that's good. That's good to have in radio because time is so important yeah. um, uh, Ryan Hand tell us uh, the school you're from and how you found the week uh, I'm from uh, Gwaii Kiri and this week was definitely something great to remember anyway um, it was a great experience for TOI and it's definitely something you should look into if you haven't thought about it before yeah definitely and is it something you'd like to kind of maybe pursue or has it given you yeah. a taste for anything like that yeah I do think so I think it was, it was a great experience and I think I'd love to do something again like this yeah, well, brilliant. Thanks, Mini Fred. Um, Ryan and Militia Scales, um, the school again, and uh, I suppose how you found the week in general? Um, intermediate school, Colorglen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I did like the week. I did like it this week. It was fun meeting new people and stuff. And it was nice seeing what the offices actually looked like because I'd sort of been curious about that for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose, again, like I asked everyone else, is it something you'd like a career in? Or maybe has it given you just a, a good experience to, that even if you went on radio, that you have the confidence now to speak on radio? Yeah, yeah. I'd say that, like, maybe when I'm older, if I go to, like, Trinity or something, if they have a campus radio station, I might try and go for it, you know? Yeah, yeah. excellent. Yeah, and that's true, too. And you can kind of do it, uh, uh, do it that way. And there's so many different pathways into um, a career uh, like this. Um, all of you... Well done. Fantastic job. The um, topics you chose were absolutely uh, amazing. And the amount of research and the reporting you did was brilliant of a real high journalistic uh, standards and you learned about that I suppose about how to present something in a balanced way and we were learned about reporting um, in a fair and decent way and in an honest way as well and uh, like I said as well going out into the public that's not easy to do and you did it without um, any kind of I suppose shyness or anything you just went out and did it so well done and we were talking about manners at the start of the programme and I said this to you earlier this morning that your manners are, are impeccable they're a you showed all week um, you're a credit to your families and you're a credit to your schools absolutely um, uh, impeccable I must say that I, before I say goodbye to you I want to get to a few more messages Dan Paddy Andy O'Sullivan who made over 300 matches provided 30 years of entertainment in his dance hall and fought in the war of independence that comes in from Kay anyone know who Dan Paddy Andy is? I don't know why I don't I've heard the name being thrown around yeah he does a famous festival a matchmaker so 100 matches that's what he did what matchsticks he made so 300 matches so he was responsible for a lot of uh, marriages and, and, and families and everything else like that Wait, uh, but man. thanks a million all of you you did a fantastic job I wish you all continued success in your future whether it's in media or outside of media you all have very bright futures ahead of you and like I said well done to your teachers and your parents uh, as well you're a credit to them on behalf of Radio Kerry and Fiona Stack and also Learning Waves Commission the man I think you deserve a big round of applause so give yourself a big round of applause <laughs>
a bit more enthusiasm than that. <laughs> that's, that's all we have time for uh, this morning. My thanks to everyone who participated in the programme. Um, Alana Diggum is on sound. Fiona Stack produced. Um, keep it here on Radio Kerry. Francis is on the way and it will be Frank Lewis next Saturday morning and I'll be talking to you this Saturday after. Until then, look after yourself and take care. The Saturday Supplement with Joe McGill on Radio Kerry. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime.